All right, everyone. This is、uh, Tennis of Melbourne, and here I have Michael. Michael, would you like to briefly introduce、uh, where you at and what you do around tennis? Yeah,、uh, thanks a lot.、Um, yeah, so basically, I'm Michael Garzo. I'm owner slash director slash head coach of ML Tennis, based in Parkdale at Hawkesburn.、Um, yeah, it's basically an operated program for players of all ages, right from Beginners, three-year-olds to high, you know, the high-performance type players and, and pro players. Okay,、um, I had a a, a fan and a, a fan of yours asking a question. All right, so one, I, I did have a few questions, so I'll pick up the the best one here. Is、um, what's a tip or what are some of the tips for current situation? So, what are the, some of the tips for players who cannot hit balls right now? Very good question, and a position pretty much everyone is in.、Um, for me personally, I think this is、um, a great opportunity for players to, you know, work on certain aspects of the game that might not be on the court necessarily, but off the court,、um, in terms of their footwork,、uh, there may be technical things they're working on.、Um, there's there's always a way, I believe, that you can work on stuff. So you know, working closely with your coaches, but that that would be my、um, biggest takeaway for players at the moment is you know get some clarity on the things you want to work on. So that might be technical aspects.、Um, you know, talk to your coaches. How am I going to go about it? Now that might be shadowing stuff. That might be just a lot of repetition stuff.、Mm-hmm. Um, even the physical that goes in, you know, in line with the technical. Um, footwork is something they can absolutely work on, strength and conditioning. So there's a lot of areas that make up a tennis player that you can work on, not necessarily out there hitting balls.、Mm-hmm. So it's it's the purpose that you put to what you're working on.、Um, you know, players can be quite, and you can be quite creative with it. There's no you know set in stone way you need to do it. But I, I find that the players who are more resourceful and the players that really want it are the players that can take advantage of. You know the situation、um, we're in, and being a little bit different to everyone else. Oh wow, pretty good, pretty good answer. Now that's this question's、uh, shout out to Josiah Roach from、um, I think Wonga Park. Yeah, I think Wonga Park. So thanks, Jay, for for your question. Now moving on, we spoke about、um, obviously Zoe, and you had a pretty solid.、Um, Um, I guess partnership and over the years. Now I, we we all know that Zoe is out of action. So while she was in action on, on the tour, I think it was two thousand and eighteen, two thousand and nineteen, she had a really good run. What was the ingredients, and how did you do it?、Um, yeah, so Zoe, you know, my journey with Zoe, there have been times where she has been injured or or,、mm-hmm. or sick or whatnot and been off the court. So the time you're talking about, she. Spent 13 months on the court,、um, and I guess the situation we're in now comes into play a little bit. Is that 13 months we spent planning and working out ways in which we wanted to get better, both her and myself,、um, so that when she did come back, she was in a position where she could take advantage of it and, and make some strides, which which she did.、Um, so we we always use the op. The downtime and the, and the time she's off the court to plan and see where we want to be in the future. So、mm-hmm. now is no exception. So she's been out since since、um, September,、yeah. um, October. So you know exactly the same thing. Okay, where can we be, get better in you know from a 
game style point of view, from a technical point of view, from a fitness point of view, mental point of view, all these areas. So, you know, that time she was away, we spent um, cleaning up her game a lot, mm-hmm. um, talking about, you know, how we wanted her to play, the style we wanted her to play. Um, spent a lot of time on the mental side because mm-hmm. um, we felt that was really, really important, you know, for her to be able to do all the things we want to do um, even better on the court. So we, yeah. we really worked hard and, and spent that time um, planning and just coming back a better play. Yeah, you mentioned about cleaning up the game. Look, I, I, I myself is also a coach of a different sport. Um, when you say clean up, what, what do you, how do you define clean up? Do you mean like looking at the problems and then sort of declutter it and then refine it? Or do you make adjustments to strengthen your weapons and then weakens your, you know, your weakness, if that makes sense. How do you mean yeah, clean up? It, it depends on the player. So yeah. at her level, um, you know, you're not going to have the time to, to, to really, you know, take time away and, and work on the, the technical, but there's always things you can work on. So for her, it was, um, we looked at the way she wants to play and, and how do we want to execute that? So there might be some technical things, say, you know, with this particular shot that we go, okay, this is letting you down at the moment. We can clean up this a bit. This is going to enable us to play the way you want a lot better. Now, it might be um, the way we move to the ball. It might be backswings. It might be, um, you know, even grip sometimes. So it's just, whatever it is, it's mm-hmm. – it's. so when I say clean up, I mean, okay, let's eliminate as many of the flaws as we can to enable us to execute the tactical a lot better. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah, you know, especially at a level. At, you know, at a younger level, it's a little bit different because mm-hmm. um, you're planning for the future. But at her level, it's you know you're looking for a little bit more instant um, mm-hmm. results. You know, over the next month, two months, three months. So it's a little different. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you probably you know play the game a little bit longer. You, you, there's a bit of a more patience involved. Is that right? Uh, with her or uh, with, with the other Zoe. With, with Zoe. Yeah, well, I mean, we've always used a long-term approach. So mm-hmm. whatever I'm implementing now that we're working on now, for example, is is designed to come out, you know, in the next 12 to 18 months, 24 months, whatever it is. Wow. And in the meantime, we just keep <laughs> working on it. So we're always looking ahead. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I already have a picture of where, say, I want her to be in two years' time or three mm-hmm. years' time. Wow. And then, okay, what do we have to do? What do we have to do now to get to that point? You know, when I started with her, it was the same. What do we have to do? Mm-hmm. You know, we looked at five, six, seven years down the track. What do we need to do to get to that level? Wow. And, and it's Marathon. constantly evolving. Oh. Yeah, it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. Uh-huh. Um, so whilst you're looking at the now in the next, you know, three to six months, whatever it is, um, you've also got an eye on okay, where do I? need her to be in 12 months, in 18 months, in 24 months, you know. So we're always constantly looking ahead and planning. Now, all of a sudden, I just popped in this question that where, where did you learn these these from? Is it just sort of learn as you go or do you have any other mentors or other coaches you share ideas and bounce it off from or is it social media? Surely there is some sort of like, you know, like I myself as a coach in, in swimming, I always constantly look out look out for for just having a conversation with others. What what's what's your what's your go to? So for me, I mean these philosophies and ideas I have, I guess yeah, I guess they're formed when you're when you think back to when I played. So when I played as a junior, I was lucky enough to have a coach who um, had a long term view and was always, you know, working my game and, and 
planning for the player I wanted to become. So you sort of start to form those ideas. And then as you go along, you know, you start to, to, you, you get information from different people. So different coaches, you're watching, you know, different players, you, know, you go to different workshops and seminars, whatever it is. And you're forming, you just filtering all this information and you start to form your own ideas. But, um, for me, I always look at what the end goal is. Mm-hmm. So what's the end goal? So if I have a, a six-year-old, a 10-year-old, you know, 15-year-old, okay, what's your end goal? What do we have to do now to get to that point? So um, I've always operated like that, um, mm-hmm. always looking at where we want to get to and having clarity in, in that and what planning needs to take place to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just something I've, I've developed and formed as my philosophy over the years mm-hmm. of just being around a lot of good people, yep. um, which I think is important. And, you know, if I have questions or I need to know anything, I'll, I'll seek out information. I won't mm-hmm. ever assume that I know everything. Wow. Respect. So much respect for you right there. Um, I, I saw your, you had the chance to work with the team uh, Shelby Rogers. Uh, I think it was yeah, in, during AO. Yep. Yep. Um, what did you pick up a thing or two from that, that little journey? Yeah, it was it was good. I had a, obviously a friend of mine, mm-hmm. Matt, who stayed with me, who was working with her during the AO, mm-hmm. um, and was able to you know we talked a lot and you know, was able to go and watch her matches and and feed off each other a little bit. And he was it was really good to get a different perspective. Um, you know, having worked with Zoe for so long and just getting an idea of how other players think and and just from our discussions and, and what I learned is that. Uh, no matter the level, players are very, very similar um, wow. in the way they think. So, you know, I picked up a lot of things, you know, quite good, and, and I guess um, things that you probably look at differently. But mm-hmm. what I did learn is that, um, you know, no matter the level, even working with juniors, players think very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been able to educate them and, and get them in a mindset that has them playing the way uh, they want, firstly, to be able to give them the most success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's the biggest takeaway I took is uh, obviously the really good players um, wow. are, on another, are, are on another level, but a lot of those players who are ranked a little lower and, and mm-hmm. have a lot of the same um, mindsets. So wow. it's, it's how do you get them to that next level, which wow. is which is a challenge for not only um, players but coaches. Wow! Now, if you don't mind, I'll I'll just uh, go down to a little bit few more levels in, in the juniors because obviously you, you do have players from uh, I don't know maybe eight to fifteen year olds because I saw your Insta. Um, what are some of the approaches and tips that you you mainly focus on? You know, in in, in terms of development. For the players? For the players. Yep. Um, yeah, going back to what I said before, it's mm-hmm. what's the end goal? So when I you know, get a player coming to me, you know, what do you, what's your goal? Um, a lot of them will say, yeah, I want to be number one in the world or, or, or a professional player, play the Australian Open, whatever it is. So, you know, you start to formulate a plan of what that starts to look like. So from a technical perspective, so always start with the technical, making sure that foundation is right um, so that going forward they have, you know, a better chance of 
accelerated development um, so they don't have those flaws that hold them back, but they're able to move from level to level uh, more comfortably and feel confident that they can execute a game uh, they want. Um, mindset is really important. So I think even really from a, a young age, you know, developing that, that resilience and that work ethic and that ambition in the kids um, is really important. So they're, they're the two main things that I, that I look at from a very young age. And then, you know, then you flow onto the physical, mm-hmm. um, which is really, really important. Um, so, you know, getting their athletic de- development from an early age um, is, is crucial, I think, because that flows into being able to do the technical well. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and then if you're feeling strong physically, the mindset become stronger as well. So they all go hand in hand. I don't think there's one that's more important than the other. They're all really, really important. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you may or may not know that um, I'm a sports trainer around tennis, many tennis yep. tournaments. And uh, I, f- I find this a little bit difficult to communicate sometimes. And I, I really need your, um, need your advice here. Player A is five foot five, plays a lot of grinding and all that. Two years later, this player A becomes six foot four and starting to do more serving, had trouble going down, slicing and play low balls. How do you adjust that in such a short time? Very good question. Um, I think with a player like that, and he's having such a a big growth spurt in such a short time, I would be almost taking a step back from the tennis side and focusing on the physical, mm-hmm. making sure the body can withstand the rigors of what's coming ahead. Um, it's really, really important that you know we look at the developmental age of kids, not necessarily their actual age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> I've had some I've had some players who you know I've known from that 13, 14, 15, 16 your age group where they, you know, haven't been physically ready. Mm-hmm. So we've almost gone to them, okay, the priority now is to work on your physical development. Let's get you, you know, stronger. Let's get that, that foundation set. And then in the meantime, we're going to continue to work on your game, put all those pieces in place so that when the – almost the game is ahead of the physical. So when the physical catches up, then you're ready to explode. Um, so – there's nothing wrong with taking a step back to go forward. What we, what we see a lot in, in a situation like that is that, you know, kids and parents a lot look at other kids the same age and what they're doing and comparing mm-hmm. when everyone everyone is on their own individual path and journey. So um, I'm really big on that with, mm-hmm. with my players. We, as much as I can, only get them to focus on themselves and and, you know, luckily I've got some examples of some players I've worked with who mm-hmm. have had success with that. So there's mm-hmm. a bit more trust there. Mm-hmm. Um, but absolutely um, know where you're at is really important mm-hmm. and focusing on what you need to do at that given time, not what everyone else is doing, now, um, which is a big mistake. Right. Now, you, you touched on parents just a little while ago. What's one tip to communicate with parents who only focuses on performance? Um, the one thing I would say to parents is, um, I guess when it comes to, I guess you mean 
them focusing on results, their kids' Correct. results. Yeah. Um, um, one thing I would say is what's the end goal? Mm-hmm. Um, and that junior results in the, the day don't really mean anything. Um, you know, and I, and I use myself as an example um, to a lot of the parents. You know, like I've won you know, four days nationals as a junior and, and gone in Australian teams and stuff like that, but I didn't get to where I wanted to get to. Mm-hmm. So it sort of puts it in perspective that, yeah, I look at junior results as a stepping stone. It's a, it's, it's a development phase of their journey as a tennis player. They all want to be pros, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So junior is just the development phase of getting to where you want to get to. Um, they, they end up becoming great memories, but they don't guarantee anything. So mm-hmm. for them, for parents, I'm again, it's it's having clarity, have clarity for where you want your child to get to, mm-hmm. and understand they're really really important. Parents are really really important, mm-hmm. um, and having them understand that they're part of the team. So as a coach. Um, you know, parents are really important and making sure that the environment we provide for the kids um, is one that fits into what I'm doing so that they have the best chance of getting to where they want to get to. But absolutely, results mm-hmm. um, should be one of the um, lower things on the, on the ladder of what mm-hmm. we should be focusing on um, in junior tennis. And were you, uh, and, and this is coming from uh, some of the conversation from the past, is that have you ever felt that there are parents who think they know more than you? <laughs> um, I don't know if it's a case of thinking they know more than me, but what I, what I definitely do think is very, very common in, in junior tennis yep. um, is that People are very easily influenced and swayed by mm-hmm. what they hear and see at tournaments or with other mm-hmm. parents. You yeah. know, so and so is doing this, so we should be doing this. And, mm-hmm. um, and, the, and the question I ask the parents is, well, how do you know they're doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. So there tends to be a, a herd mentality where people follow what other people are doing. Um, and then you get away sort of, okay, what's my child's individual journey, where they're at? And the ones who follow their own journey tend to be the ones that do the best um, in the long run. Yep. But that's that's the one thing. So I don't know if it's a case of them thinking they know more, but um, definitely they do listen to other people mm-hmm. probably and are easily influenced by um, things that yeah, they probably shouldn't be. So, and, and the one, I guess I go back to this. If you're talking to kids, and, and this is very common in kids, is that they'll, you know, you get this a lot, they'll listen to the tennis coach and not the parent. So that's the one thing that, and the reason why they do that is, is kids want to know who you are and what you've done. So when it comes to tennis, they're not going to listen to the parent. Mm-hmm. So it's almost goes against that, that whole thing is the parent trying to talk tennis and to the kid and whatnot. And the, and the, and the kid half the time is going, well, you haven't ever played tennis. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and, this, and this is what you get. So it's, it's, and this is the danger with, with, with parents sometimes is that they can think they're helping, but actually being a detriment to their kid's development. And, you know, then you get friction and then it affects the home situation and all that kind of stuff. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a matter of us coaches educating the parents, mm-hmm. um, of, of what's ahead and keeping them involved, I think that's really important to to not have a situation where you know 
the parent thinks they know everything and is going to do this and do that. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, all right. But that's that's my opinion on that. Love it, love it, love it. Now, I I, I was actually I, I did my homework and then yes, you you said you were fourteens uh, champion, you know, back in the days. Now was was there a option of you going to college or pro when you were at seventeen, eighteen, that kind of thing? What was college big back then? Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't big back when I played. I did have some offers to go to college mm-hmm. uh, to some pretty good schools. Um, yeah, we're talking mid to late nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, I college, I guess, back then was you know was something that you went to if you weren't going to make it as a pro. So oh. your, your first option was going to pro. It was, it was a completely different philosophy. Yeah, it was it was a lot different. So I hesitated going and, and didn't go. Um, and then I was I was just about to go, and then I ended up doing well in a tournament and decided not to. So I was going back and forth a lot. Now, if I was to go back and do it all again, I would absolutely go for where I was at that time. I don't think I was ready to play mm-hmm. you know, professionally from a physical perspective, um, and it just wouldn't have given me given me that time to develop. So now. You know, with a lot of players, it's it's one of the first things you recommend. Okay, unless you're ready to go out there and, and mm-hmm. really make quick impact, mm-hmm. this is something I would recommend because it gives you that time to develop. You know, at your pace, mm-hmm. and, and and you can still play tournaments, but be ready to go there. So yeah, mm-hmm. it was a completely different mentality then. I know a lot of the colleges now are recruiting players mm-hmm. to prepare them for the pro tour. So mm-hmm. it used to be, you know, we just wanted you to come and play and. and we want to win, you know, NCAA title or whatever. We didn't really care about anything else. Whereas now, uh, the whole philosophy has shifted, and they're actually, you know, recruiting, preparing you for the pro tour because mm. they know that that's that's the most viable pathway now. I, I still remember um, in the late nineties, I used to check. Um, this is go back in the days, listeners. For listeners out there who are under the age of twenty, you have no idea what this is. So. Back then, we have thing called obviously internet, and I will literally check ATP tour on a weekly basis. I'm talking Evgeny Kalfonikov, Andre Agassi, Pete Sam. I'll, I'll check it. And so, what I, I, I noticed that um, the information back then wasn't uh, as, I guess, transparent and, and fast as well. But um, what I'm trying to say is, was there because you we now have more comparison? Um, and also the level of tennis is now a little bit harder to crack into, say, top twenty, uh, t- top 200 in a year or two years' time. Therefore, people is more likely to go college than pro. Yeah, the game's changed a lot. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot more physical. Players are, are playing longer than they used to. So you used to get to 30 and you're mm-hmm. looking at retirement. Now players are playing you know, late 30s. I mean, look at Federer. He's, oh, yeah. you know, he's 38 or 39 or whatever mm-hmm. he is and... and you know, Varinka, I saw just turned 35. Mm-hmm. So players are playing a lot later. Mm-hmm. And the average age for top 100 has now, you know, increased. So a player coming in at 17, 18, you know, even 19, who's cracking top 50, top 30, is, is the exception rather than the rule. Back then, there were a lot more of them. Um, so, yeah, the game's changed completely. You know, better athletes, mm-hmm. um, you know, sports science is better. So players are able to play a lot longer. They look after their bodies better, you know, warm-ups are better, um, you know, you name it. Players will now spend a lot more of their time doing the off-court stuff than actually mm-hmm. the time they spend on-court. You know, you know, players after 
a match, you're probably spending, mm-hmm. you know, three to four hours before they even get to their hotel room. Mm-hmm. Um, so the game has changed completely, mm-hmm. um, which is why, you know, an 18-year-old who's physically not fully developed yet going to college, spending that two, three years to mature, mm-hmm. physically develop, um, you know, fine-tune their game mm-hmm. and have some structure and the facilities are great over there. is is a is a really good option, um, and and probably better than what they're going to get grinding on on the, the futures um, and challenges. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that you know what back in the days you got Leighton Hewitt winning Grand Slam at age 20, you know Merit Safin, you know in the early 20s. For look, I'm not sure about Coco. I I definitely think she's one of the uh, you know the next gen you know, stars. Um, but for ATP, um, to win a Grand Slam before 25 is is very, very difficult. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, nowadays, it's um, really, really hard. Yet yeah, the women, a lot different, um, mm-hmm. mature a lot quicker mm-hmm. um, and are able to compete at a higher level from an early age. But definitely the, the men, it's really, really difficult. I mean, you have to be exceptional. Right. At, at a really age. I mean, you look at some of the top players who are under that age, like a Sitsipas and Severio yeah. and Dimonar. Um, yeah, and Dimonar, and you know, there's a whole bunch of them coming through, which are, who are really, really talented. But mm. get them into a, a two-week best of five tournament, and mm. then it's it's really, really tough. And mm. and it's not just the physical, even it's it's the mental. It's being able to day in, day out. Mm-hmm. Stay at that level, and you know, players like Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, you know, the like they've 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 been doing it, you know, day in day out for their whole careers, and are just primed mm-hmm. um, for that kind of thing. So when the going gets tough, they're that they're right there, they stay resilient. Whereas the younger guys are still developing that um, in their game. So on their day, absolutely, they can beat them, but mm-hmm. to do it, you know, over a two week period and beat, you know, all three of them. Completely different story. Best of three, um, totally different, but over five sets and to be able to maintain that, um, really, really tough. Now, you touched on Federer, Djokovic and Nadal. Um, if, if you have to pick one player who changed the landscape of tennis the most, who would you pick and why? That's a really tough question. <laughs> so I think they all have in their own um, different way. I mean, Federer... Um, is is my number one out of the yeah. three, just because I love the way he plays and and what he's brought to the game. Um, Nadal, just with his his work ethic and his fight and the way he grinds, has has changed that for a lot of players. And then you get Djokovic now, who is just a machine. He's is <laughs> you know at his best. You know he's he's incredible. He doesn't miss a ball. He's so you know, in terms of changing the game on. Um, I think all three of them have have needed each other to get to that next level. You know, and I definitely know with Nadal and Federer, they've, they've needed each other. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why they're still playing, is they've just made each other better. They keep wanting to work harder. That's um, true, that's true. But if I, you know, out of, the, out of the three of them, that's a tough question. I don't even know if I can answer that question. <laughs> that's fine. We'll, um, we'll, we'll leave it there for some other time. But now let's go to something really, really light. This is called just the, the fast five. Something really simple. First thing popped in your head, um, and then you can elaborate if you want to. All right, so one tip, and this is my go-to. One tip for serving. 
Um, rhythm and, and flow. So making sure that all the parts are working together. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely. So simple, you know, uh, way to do that. And I know a lot of coaches would use this is, is this some counting to three as you're serving. So just counting keeping that three. nice, counting to three. So just nice one, two, three and a nice rhythm. Um, yeah, sometimes you can get too quick. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just slowing it down. I, I find a lot of players just go too fast and okay. the legs are already going down before the arms are coming up and it's just keeping that nice rhythm. So if, if I was to give you one tip, it's just, it's just flow. Keep it flowing, nice and relaxed, mm -hmm. slowing down the action a little bit. Okay. Mental approach on a break point? Down or up? Uh, up. Up. Um, go for it. Go for it. Take the initiative. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't hope that they miss, but um, be proactive. So if the ball hits the fence on the full, move on. Well, no, I don't, I'm not saying <laughs> just go for a win oh, or anything sorry. like that, but I guess what I'm saying is put pressure on your opponent. Don't, yeah. don't wait for them to give it to you, um, but just yeah, take it to them. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> you're 40 love, uh, serving for the match. Uh, serving for the match, uh, 40 love down, and you had six or three double faults, um, and your opponent's on a break point, break point. So how would you reset yourself? So I've been, so I was 40 love up, and yep. I've served three double faults, and now yep. I'm break point down? Yep. Okay, I would definitely take my time, because if I'm serving a couple of double faults, then... <laughs> probably rushing a little bit so I'll definitely take my time take my full 20 seconds or whatever it is now mm -hmm. um, and I would you know bounce the ball a little bit longer probably yeah. get a time violation because I'm taking a little <laughs> bit longer but I'd focus on what my best service so mm -hmm. under pressure I'd be looking and this is where you develop it on the practice but I'd be looking at what my go-to pattern is at that point. So where I'm going to serve or where I want to hit my first shot, mm -hmm. almost, and I'd stick to what I do best. Okay. Um, and I wouldn't deviate from that. Right. One tip, playing in the wind. With or against? Against. Or both? Oh, actually both, both, both. Okay, so I, how, do, how can I use it to my advantage? Okay. So... So, so just, okay, let's say we go against, we'll start with against the wind. Okay, against the wind, I'd be definitely going for it a lot more, hitting a bit lower and uh, flatter over the net because the wind's going to you know, hold up the ball a little bit. So mm -hmm. I'd definitely be looking to stay forward and not get too far back, uh, behind the baseline. Okay, and uh, against, and now it's with. With the wind, I'd be using... Uh, the wind to my advantage and hitting with a lot more shape and spin. Still aggressive, but let the wind and court do a bit of the work. Oh, okay. Uh, last one. Uh, what's one tip uh, playing on clay? Now, this is for juniors, juniors level, because uh, I think probably about 80% of our uh, tournaments are played on clay, if I'm correct. But, uh, yeah, so yep. what's your one tip? Hit with more shape. Um, give it good net clearance. Um, keep the racket head speed up, but hit with a lot more shape. And, and, and again, use the court to your advantage. So uh -huh. if you're playing on the clay and optica and you're able to rip it a lot more higher over the net um, with good racket head speed, then the ball's going to kick up a little bit. Um, you know, 
this is, I think, an area where you know, juniors can be a lot better is understanding what surface they're playing on, what the conditions are, and using it to their advantage um, rather than fight against it, go with it. Mm-hmm. Now, just on the side question, do you have other coaches that are working with you f- currently or from the past? Um, who work with me full-time or oh, just bring pa- in occasionally? Just occasionally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, especially with Zoe. I've brought in different coaches just mm-hmm. to... Um, just for another voice, just to work on a couple of things because I think it's really, really important to um, you know, get different voices and, and, and get different opinions and, and, mm-hmm. and then formulate your own view. So, you know, in our, in our um, setup at, at Parkdale uh, and when we've had, you know, especially the performance side, we've brought in different people when we can, you know, pros who are still playing, mm-hmm. um, you know, other coaches occasionally, so you know, and not not just tennis coaches mm-hmm. from, from outside tennis and, and and fitness people and stuff like that. So, so what, yeah, no, always always bringing in different different ideas and different voices and exposing them to different things. So, what's your one tip for younger coaches coming up, will it wanting to be a high performance coach? Uh, invest in yourself. Ooh. So, <laughs> never stop learning. Yep. Um, I. Don't know everything. I'm always constantly looking at ways to get better day in, day out, uh, whether that's reading stuff, whether it's watching stuff, whether that's just having conversations. Um, mm-hmm. You know, get good mentors and ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I find a little bit with the way the world is mm-hmm. now is that there's a everyone wants everything very quickly, mm-hmm. um, but gain experience, talk to people. You know, I look back to when I started coaching. Mm-hmm early to mid-20s when I was, and compared to what I know now to then, I, I knew nothing. Wow. I knew nothing. I, I thought I knew things, but no, no, coaching is, is a whole different ball game. So it's mm-hmm. it's taking the time to invest yourself. That's the number one thing. Wow. Respect. I got so much respect for that. Now, um, on the coach's side, uh, I myself as a coach, again, I, I have to emphasize that. So that's why I kind of feel like coaching to coaching conversation. Now, Coaching or coaches' mental health. What what's your what's your way to sustain and exercise that 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 healthiness and activeness, and engaging with you know your professionalism. What's what's your what's your um, yeah? How, how do you, how do you work around it or work with it? Yeah, really good question. Um, you know, as coaches, we spend a lot of time on court and probably walk off the court and still thinking about coaching stuff and you know, parents calling <laughs> you and whatnot. So it's, Me too. It's, it's never it's never ending. And but I think balance is really important. So I think you need to make time for yourself away from the, the tennis court, um, mm-hmm. family, uh, friends, your own time going out and doing something, but time where you can just switch off and, mm-hmm. and get away a little bit. And I think sometimes because, um, you know, you want to give so much of yourself and you want to, you know, please a lot of people, whereas players, coaches, I think it's really, uh, players and, and parents, sorry, I think it's really, really important that sometimes it's okay to say, no, I need to take a time out for myself mm-hmm. um, um, because you need to stay mentally fresh and you need to be, um, you know, wanting to, to actually go out and work day in and day out and enjoy it so and keep mm-hmm. that passion. So I think really, really important to find a balance between um work and mm-hmm. also, you know, home life and, and what you do off the court. That's that's really, really important. Michael, uh, on a personal note, 
I really wish you were my coach when I was 16. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, <laughs> because that's the thing I, I, I wanted to, you know, like learn together, you know. But anyway, now last but not least, um, Tennis of Melbourne is about appreciation. Um, who do you appreciate and why? To, to, um, for whoever to get to where you are today. Yeah, so I guess, I guess <laughs> the first person would be my coach as a junior, uh, mm-hmm. Pete Gerrard, to... Um, yeah, I guess formed these opinions and, and he was doing a lot of stuff with me from, a, from an early age that um, I know a lot of other players probably weren't doing. It was probably ahead of his time a little bit, which is now the norm. Um, so he's, he's one who's made me think outside the box a little bit. And the others are actually my players. I mean, mm-hmm. my players have made me a better coach. So, you know, oh. we go back to, to Zoe um, <laughs> earlier on and the, and, and the time I've spent with Zoe from the start to now, she's made me a better coach um, mm-hmm. in the sense that it's made me learn and constantly look to learn and, and, and try different things and do different things. And, and all my players that I work with now, you know, every day, it's, I, get to, I, I find I have a really good job where I get to go out and I get to... Uh, whilst I'm helping them, they don't realise they're helping me as well. Because mm-hmm. I'm learning something from them every day, and, and people I work with, I'm learning, you know, stuff stuff from that I get to implement on the court. So, um, yeah, that's another one. My players mm-hmm. um, are actually wow. the ones who make me a better coach. Now, I'm going to slice in from another angle as well. Um, knowing, that, knowing that, because I, I work around football or soccer, they call it. Yep. Um, Chloe. <laughs> yes. Uh, do you think what she bringing in your life in terms of player point of view and how you work around space, does that help you as a coach as well? So you're talking about Zoe? Yeah. Uh, no, no. Um, Chloe. Sorry. Chloe. Chloe, Chloe who plays for oh, Matildas? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, so she's... She's... Um, She's a great example for a lot of players. So mm-hmm. I look, I, when I see her story and knowing her story and speaking to her mum, who's mm-hmm. told me a lot about her story, mm-hmm. she at a very young age was told that she was too small, mm-hmm. wasn't going to be good enough, and she has that determination and, and, and resilience and work ethic that you want every athlete to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use her as an example a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you – and this is what I, th- I don't think people realise is what you see on the field – um, is is not something that's happened over six months or 12 months or, yeah, I've played well, she's played well in Europe or whatever. That's something that's been built over the last 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a lesson I learned as well is, is there was a plan. Um, she didn't let anyone tell her that she wasn't going to make it. And now what you see is is the end result. And she's able to do what she's always wanted to do and flourish. And mm-hmm. she's playing in Europe now as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, starts in the in the Matildas. So that, that's the biggest thing I've learned. And then you bring it back to, to tennis, and which is, you know, what, what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's no different. It's having that long-term plan and, and, and I've... Coming from Australia, there's a tall poppy syndrome, mm-hmm. um, and we always get told, and even young kids, the young kids will say, oh, I want to be number one in the world, or I want to 
Matildas or something, oh, well, you better have this to back it up. But I, and I'm, I'm of a different opinion. I'm like, if you want to do it, what do we have to do? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one thing I've learned um, from my experience, but also from her is that if you want it, you, you'll do everything in your power to get it and you'll find a way to do it. Um, and that's mm-hmm. what separates you from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Right. Michael, you have been amazing, and uh, I can even tell the listeners of Tennis of Melbourne to get on this very episode. Not a second is wasted. You have something for everyone. You have something for the players. You have something for high performance. You have something for for parents and even especially coaches. This this has been really helpful, and I will tell you what. Um, last forty minutes. So, so once I put it in, and I'm gonna at some point today or tomorrow, I'm gonna re-listen again because. Right now, we are isolated for, you know, due to circumstances, but we still need that conversation and, and listening to, in order for us to, to get better when, when the times are back. So I really appreciate your time and effort for, for our listeners. And uh, last but not least, do you have anyone or any uh, sponsors or supporters that you want to give him or them a shout out, like Pardell Tennis Club and things like that? Yeah, I'll give a shout out to everyone yeah. at, at, at Parkdale and Hawksburg, but um, Yonex, who are really good supporters of mine, yep. who helped me out in my team, um, Biddy Badu, who mm-hmm. provide the clothing, and they've mm-hmm. been really good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys down at, at Brighton Sports, Tim and Donna, who mm-hmm. you know do a great job, um, help me out a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and, and everyone down there. So yeah. Uh, I'd love to give a shout out to them. Okay. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for the time. And uh, as always, I'm looking forward to another episode somewhere down the track with you. Uh, my pleasure. Anytime. Don't, don't hesitate to, to contact me. Okay. Thanks, Michael. Have a good one. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. Right, cheers.